Welcome to the Collective Evolution Show. The CE Show is a podcast that will feature anything from discussions to reports on a variety of topics, all framed within the context of transformation that is occurring within us individually and collectively as a society. You could probably relate to the fact that our current world seems to be falling apart and that things are becoming quite chaotic, and making sense of what's going on has become really tough. Old ways of viewing the world don't seem to be working anymore, so people are looking for new conversations. Many are noticing that much of traditional or mainstream media or even academia seem to be failing at understanding and exploring the cultural transitions and changes that are happening in people and society. The reality is that we've arrived at a time where we have to start talking about these emerging ideas that come from an entirely different narrative about what it means to be a human and what we're capable of. On this podcast, we'll talk about anything from current events to personal transformation, consciousness, future technology, and more. We'll explore real things that are happening in our world that are inspiring, but that may not be explored too much in pop culture or media. Of course, these topics can all be explored on our website as well at collective-evolution.com, where you'll find articles, essays, and videos. You can also join our membership platform called CTV, where we have a ton of exclusive video content, including original shows, discussions, and courses to help you make sense of the world and transform how you show up in life. You can visit CTV.one to check out our member area. Welcome, Udo. This is, I think this is going to be a great conversation. I was looking into some of the stuff uh, you know, you've been saying in a few other interviews, and I got pretty excited about having this conversation. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's about yeah. time somebody talked like with sense <laughs> yeah. about all the nonsense going on. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's a there's a lot of that. And I, I want to get into that at some point when we when we talk about this. But when I was doing some uh, research about your story and and you know kind of what brought you to this point in your life and some of the stuff you're working on right now, there's a number of different interesting spots. And and I think one of the actually the first places that could be interesting to start is is even with regards to when you were young I, I i heard in one of the previous interviews you did you were talking about how you were always questioning a lot of things uh in your youth and sort of thinking outside mm-hmm. the box can you talk yeah. a little bit more about that well it came out of two things first i was born during the second world war so 1942 i was not yet three when we were refugees fleeing from the communists who yeah. were chasing us in trucks and tanks and we were on roads it's mostly women, young children. Men were all off in war or wherever they were. And, uh, and the roads were, they were in horse-drawn hay wagons trying to mm. get the hell out of Poland. Yeah. And the allies were using the refugees as target practice, shooting at, them, shooting at us from planes. And it was pretty chaotic. So this is not exactly the place where you want to raise your kid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> in a situation like that. And I just remember, not a lot, I don't remember a lot, but I remember anxiety, fear, you know, confusion, chaos, didn't know what I could depend on, didn't know what I could trust, hunger, you know, just simple stuff like that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I look back at it now and I, I, I think, wow, what an incredible gift. It's not like I would wish it on anybody because it's a stupid way to, to, to treat children. Yeah. But it is a gift because it rubbed my nose really early in what happens when people don't cultivate
always ends up in the gutter and downhill toward discontent, uh, uh, conflict, and eventually war. And so, so I got that lesson really early and not like as theory. I got it like I was in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like it was it was like an experience, not a theory. It's easy to read a book about war, but nothing shoots at you from a book, right? <laughs> right. So, and then when I was six years old, we were living in Germany, and I heard pe- adults argue about really stupid things. I mean, they were really trivial to me as a six-year-old. So it must mm-hmm. have been like pretty stupid stuff. Yeah. And I thought, man, there has to be a way that people can live in harmony. Mm-hmm. And then this idea, you know, of a six-year-old who doesn't know how complicated everything is, I'm going to figure out how. I'm going to find out how. That's been my driver all my life. Yeah. Uh, because, because just because of that experience. So then when it, when it became time to get educated, I decided to get into science because I didn't know how things worked. And when you know how things work, then you, you, can, you know what you can rely on. So I got into science to figure out how things work. And then I got into biosciences to figure out how creatures work. And then I got into psychology to figure out how thinking works. And then I went into medicine to understand how health works because I thought if I understood what health is, then I could basically help people get healthy by just pushing them in the direction of health. But you'd have to know what health is to do that. And of course, I only learned about disease in medicine. And when I asked the dean what health is, he said, we don't know, we're working on it. But they're not, but they're not working on it. They actually study sickness. That's like saying, well, I want to know what light is. So let me look into the darkness right. to find out what light is. Well, that's stupid. If you want to know what light is, you got to look at light. If you want to know what health is, you got to look at health. So I went back into biology because by this time I realized that in biology, you're actually studying health because you're studying the normal functioning of normal creatures. And so then I got into biochemistry and genetics. And then there was still something missing. So I left university and got into self-knowledge. Mm-hmm because I really needed to know how I work, but it took me that long to figure out. It took me the first 20 years, 27 years, just to figure that out, (laughs) that what I needed to know is how, how I work. Yeah. And uh, so that was, and so basically that is my background, right? right? I'm, I'm interested in everything. Then I got, eventually I got married and we had three kids and my marriage broke up and I was really upset. So I took a job as a pesticide sprayer. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to kill something, and <laughs> pesticides are only invented to kill things. Yeah. So this is a perfect job for me <laughs> in my in my emotional state, and I sprayed them really carelessly for three years, and I got poisoned by them. Right. And I went to the doctor and said, "What do you have for pesticide poisoning?" And she said, "Nothing." Yeah. And that was the day I got super interested in health, the physical aspects of health. Yeah. I was never like really a junk food eater. We ate fairly simply and we had, you know, I lived on farms and we had big gardens. And so I was never really a big junk food eater, but I really started to pay attention. And then I said, okay, I knew from biology that every year, 98% of the atoms that are in your, then within one year, you can have rebuilt 98% of your body to a higher standard. And that, by the way, is why healing is possible, because your body is always turning over. It's a major construction site. And so I got into, and, and then, so, so I started 
um, you know, looking at the research in, in mainly nutrition and health and nutrition and disease and got focused on fats because they are the most sensitive nutrients. They need the most care. They're damaged by light, by oxygen, and by heat very easily, very quickly. And we give them the least care. And as a result, more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition. Mm -hmm. Because not only does industry make them without care and damage them partially, but we also throw them in the frying pan yeah. and turn them into smoke. And you know, when you turn oil into smoke, you've changed the chemistry. Yeah. Right. And so I got in, I said, okay, well, I can't get healthy on oils like this. We should make them with health in mind. There's a me and my, me and my mouth again. Right. <laughs> and so I developed a method for making oils with health in mind. And then the year I got poisoned, uh, the year after I got poisoned, Omega-3s were established as essential nutrients, which means these are nutrients that you have to bring in from outside because you can't make them in your body from anything else. Yeah. You need them to live and be healthy. And if you don't get enough, your health goes down. You get deficiency symptoms. They are degenerative in nature. They get worse with time. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. These are like the foundational, essential building blocks that life requires in order to make a body. <clears throat> and then the third part of it was that if you're not getting enough and your health is going down, but before you die, you bring enough back into the diet, then all of the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to make a body that works provided we take responsibility at the location of our mouth to make sure enough of all of the building blocks, food, water, air, and light, light, not light, obviously, but food, water, and air land in our body. So life has those building blocks available for doing its job. So, and so then I got into, uh, uh, so omega-3, so there are about 50 essential nutrients. Omega-3 was established just the year after I got poisoned and I was already had my head buried in the journals. And I said, oh my God, 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3s. They're a nightmare to work with because they're five times more sensitive than the usual oils. Uh, every cell needs them. So there must be a whole lot of symptoms that come from not getting enough. Wow, we could help so many people. Oh my God, if we could make oils with health in mind and bring omega-3s back, we would, could help so many people. And, you know, I, I mean, I honestly, I went off like a firecracker. <laughs> and, and then, and so we got so excited. We didn't have any money. I didn't have any business background, but we had enthusiasm mm -hmm. and we got into it. And then literally we built a factory, uh, a small factory. And uh, then we, you know, we figured all the, all the things we had to do, how to, how to set it up, protect it from light, oxygen, heat, build a really tight system so they are actually not being damaged during the processing. Right. And, and then started making flaxseed oil and then did a big tour in 1988 through the United States, uh, 101 days, 85 cities, 35 states, 17,000 miles by road in a van without air conditioning in the hot. So that was 
<laughs> that was my first that was my first really major project yeah well i mean it i love the fact that you know a lot of this stemmed off the idea of just being enthusiastic and and excited about wanting to do something regardless of whether there was like sort of even a background of getting into business and stuff it was like I can very much relate to that feeling of, of how passion and, and just having something that you absolutely love to do is, is so important in moving your, you know, I guess your life forward in a way that feels inspired. Um, before we get into some of the wisdom behind that idea, I I did want to ask about oils a little bit because, you know, I've been into researching health for a lot of years. And I mean, you hear, you probably know this too. It's like in the health space, you hear different things every year. There's always like a new theory, a new fad. Some of it's, you know, good information and some of it's just kind of a new idea. And, you know, sometimes the idea out there is like oils, you know, they're, they're, they're not healthy, even though we get oils and things like olives and nuts and, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, people will often say that oils aren't healthy. How would you answer that question with your background in, in oils? The short answer is it's, it's BS. Yeah. And simply because there, there are two essential fatty acids, omega-3 and omega-6, that every cell in your body requires that you can't make from anything else that therefore have to come from foods. Mm-hmm. And by the way, those two are part of the cell membranes of every cell of every living thing on this planet and including our cell membranes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any fats <laughs> in your diet, you have no cell membranes. And if you don't have any cell membranes, well, you're just going to fall apart into water, dust and, and air that you were made from. And in a way, it's like the oil that holds all that stuff together and keeps its structures structured and is also super good fuel. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea that fats are bad, no, bad fats are bad. Good yeah. fats are good, right? And essential fats are essential. Yeah. And of, of, of the whole universe of fats, the only thing you need is omega-3 and omega-6. They got to be undamaged. Otherwise, they become toxic. They got to be, so they got to be made with health in mind or in their natural state. Yeah. You've got to get them in the right ratio because they have somewhat competing uh, functions in the body and you got to get enough for optimum. And when you do that, you find out your, your energy can increase by 40 to 60%. And that's, that includes your glands work better and your muscles work better and your repair systems work better, like immune system and all of that. And we measured that in athletes, 40 to 60% within a month, within 30 days of going on uh, a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day of a blend of oil that's balanced in glass and all of that and refrigerated called Udo's oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my that was my uh, my creation because I got omega-6 deficient on flax oil because it has a lot of omega-3, but not enough omega-6. Right. And so I decided to make a blend that is properly balanced that you get both essential fatty acids made with health in mind. You get them in the right ratio and they get to do their job in the body. And right. so anything that gives you 40 to 60% more energy is probably good for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? So the average person listening to this, they might think about, you know, how they consume oils and they might say, well, you know, I, I, I put it, you know, in a salad or I, I put it when I'm 
you know, making some pasta sauce or, um, you know, when I fry something in my frying pan, uh, how would you, you know, advise on how to properly use oils in a way that, that does have health in mind and that, that doesn't damage the, uh, the threes and the sixes. Right. So, so first you got to get an oil that's made with health in mind. And I, I, I'm credited with, with starting that industry, Mm -hmm. the healthy oils industry. Uh, uh, it, but in terms of use, uh, first of all, frying is the dumbest thing we've ever invented <laughs> due to our food from the perspective of health. The dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And that's because in the frying pan, light, oxygen, and heat, the three things that damage oils most effectively are acting on the oil all at the same time. And when you fry, whether it's starch you fry or oil you fry or protein you fry, you increase inflammation and risk of cancer, independent of the other two, each one independent of the others. Mm -hmm. So anything you fry will increase inflammation and risk of cancer. (laughs) Now, why would you think that that had any saving grace? Yeah. So the way you use oils, if they're made with health in mind and you're interested in health, you add them to food after they come off the heat. So then you go back to cooking in water. That's what everybody used to do in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Well, 60s already, they were frying. And, um, and so, and even olive oil in the Mediterranean was not used for frying originally. Traditionally, it was, they cooked their, their vegetables in water, then they poured out the water, then they added the oil because oils enhance flavors and they improve the absorption of oil-soluble nutrients. So it's good for health to put oil on food. And if you don't want to use oil, then eat seeds and nuts. There's nobody, even all the people who say, we don't use any oils. They all eat seeds and nuts. Right. And And there's, and seeds and nuts are good food and they're associated with longevity. So if fat was bad for you, they would not be associated (laughs) with longevity. Yeah. Now, is it like, uh, you know, because when I'm thinking taking a tablespoon of of oil, I'm not sure what your recommended uh, daily intake. I know the study you were talking about was was for athletes, but for the average person, um, well, tablespoon, th- tablespoon per fifty pounds of body weight per day. Yeah, mixed food and intake spread out over the course of the day. So for most people, that would be two to four tablespoons a day, and that's the food oil foundation. That's not a supplement. That's the food oil foundation. Right, oils, and oils are major nutrients. Right. How many, how much, how many, like, just as a comparison, like how many nuts and seeds would someone have to eat to get roughly that amount? Well, it depends on what well, there. Yeah. It's, it's hard to answer that question because uh, seeds will contain anywhere from 25 to 60% fats of those fats. Uh, a percentage will be omega six percentage, omega three percentage, omega nine, which is not essential and a percentage saturated. So those are all, and they're all different. Every seeds and nuts is different and even they're different in, in seasons, but fairly stable for species. So um, the, the ones that are most missing are omega-3s. What we do is we use about 45% of the oil is omega-3 and about maybe 24, 24, 22, 24% is omega-6. And then about 20% is omega-9. So actually more like f- less, maybe 15% is omega-9, and then the rest is saturated. Right. You find omega-9 and saturates in all oils. 
But the, the ones that are hard to get are the omega-3s. That's why 99% of the population doesn't get enough for optimum health. Mm. So we high grade those just because they're the ones that give you the juice. Right. They make burn your fats. They're, they're, they're super important in pregnancy for brain development because the uh, mothers can convert the plant omega-3s into what the fish oils contain very easily. So you don't need fish oils. Right. And, uh, and so, so basically, um, yeah, I, I don't know if, you know, and, and they will make hormones work more effectively at the cell receptor level. They keep your bones stronger. You can exercise better. Your skin becomes nicer. Your hair and nails grow faster and more you, you, without, you know, without splits and all of that. Yep. And, um, what else? They're required for liver and kidney function. They are, uh, I mean, <laughs> every part of the body, <laughs> the, brain, the brain requires them. Uh, the turnover in the brain is actually not that big. So you don't, uh, you don't need that much. Um, the turnover is only 2.4 to 3.8 milligrams per day. So you don't need a lot to get enough for brain function. Right. The brain will conserve it if you get... If, if there's not enough in your diet, then your brain or your, your body will actually conserve the omega-3s and keep them for longer and use them for longer. Right. So, and the body's pretty good at adjusting to, to what's going on around you, except you got to have the essential nutrients. Yeah. That's not, there's no option on that. That's yeah. a requirement. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that makes sense. And going into the, the idea like earlier, you, you mentioned like optimal health and how important these, you know, these are for creating what we call optimal health, which is an interesting thing. Cause earlier on when you were talking about like, you know, looking at the medical field and some of your studying there, it was like, you know, they're not, there's not like a standard definition of what health even is. We just kind of assume that, well, if you're not sick, obviously then you're just you're considered healthy and like yeah that's an even, interesting even though even yeah even though 70 percent of the apparently healthy people yeah die from cardiovascular disease cancer or diabetes <laughs> yeah yeah these are apparently healthy people right and, and appar apparently not healthy <laughs> well exactly right and i think this leads to kind of the interesting part of of this whole field of health and, and medicine and all this sort of stuff is like, you know, do we even have a standardized definition of what that means? And what is the implications of not yeah. having um, a standardized definition of what that means to be healthy? <laughs> yeah. You just, you just, you just j jumped into my rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. So, so the fact is we don't have a definition of health, you know, you're not, you know, you, you it's kind of like, we do it in other ways too. You know, peace is the absence of war. No, it's not. Right. War is the absence of peace. Peace is a presence. Peace is an experience. When you have that experience, there is no war. When you don't have that experience, you, you're crawling towards war. So health is not the uh, absence of disease. That's backward. That's a backwards definition. It's actually disease is the absence of health. Health is a presence. There are principles and components. When they're in place, health is the result. And, you know, health is, a, you can make definitions of health. We haven't done it very well because we haven't identified the principles and, and components and really focused on them and figured out what are the optimum amounts of the components. 
and and we haven't really spent that much time talking about the principles at all. So uh, that's, I think, if you want a teachable field of health, you have to do that. But more money is made on disease if you only suppress symptoms but never fix anything. And so the, the, the love of money has really screwed up <laughs> for 200,000 years yeah. our ability. And we're pretty smart. You know, if we can make rockets that go to the moon and we can make all the gadgets and gadgets that we do and the internets and the, and the computers and everything, we're obviously pretty smart. We know <clears throat> in order to make this computer, we had to know what are the principles and what are the components. And we yeah. know them out of physics and chemistry and, and, and metal, metal, metallurgy and all of that. <clears throat> to find the principles and components of our own, you know, the computers that we are, the, the, the very fancy gadgets that we are, it's not any more difficult, but we actually have to look at ourselves. And then we have to be honest about what we're finding. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where I think that's where we lose it all the time is when we become dishonest and we become dishonest when we feel discontent and we become discontent when we get disconnected from being present in our own space, in the space our body occupies, because there's energy in that space too. And there's inspiration in that space too. And there is awareness in that space too. And when we're, when we're not aware and we're not in touch with the energy that is our power <clears throat> and the inspiration that comes out of that energy, then we create, then we create a world like the one we've created mm -hmm. where we're now to the point where nothing works. It's yeah. not working for the environment. The politics is not working. The relationships aren't working. Health isn't working. Why? Because we're not doing the homework we need to do in order to, in order to, have principles and components to pay attention to. Yeah. And that's part of what I'm, what I'm interested in for the time I have left. I want to turn health into a teachable field, systematically organized, consumer friendly, understandable, learnable, teachable, and human nature into a teachable field. Because, you know, we know more about our neighbors than we know about ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we know more about everything than we know about ourselves. It's like, what's wrong with that picture? Yeah. Right. There's a resistance to look within on so many <laughs> places. And, and yeah. it's funny because that paradigm exists in almost everything, right? Like that we, as that is the center of our worldview, um, we do that with everything, whether it's like, you know, we always believe the external will make us happier. We always believe the yeah. external will make us fulfilled. And um, yeah. I think this where it sort of gets into the interesting part of, of starting to ask, you know, the question is yeah. even just beyond physical health. So I, de I like, you know, for example, like we take something or we eat something, there's, there's these other aspects that make up health, like you were mentioning and stuff like that. What to you are sort of the keys to, you know, what someone could start, start to think about in their own life, life to start looking at health on a, on a larger scale and start yeah. looking within and, and sort of taking care of, of the right. part of ourselves that needs that sort of greater shift in our awareness. Okay. So let me go back to what you just said. We seem to have a resistance to looking at ourselves. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not a resistance. It's a, it's a, you could say it's a freak of human nature. And I, let me explain it. Now, to do that, I have to go back mm -hmm. in 
the history of human beings. When you were in your mother's womb, wait, well, any of us, when we were in our mother's womb, there was nothing to do. There was nowhere to go. Everything was taken care of and it was relatively safe. So what do you do when you're hanging out in the Buddha tank? I call it the Buddha tank, right? So what, do you do, what do you do when you're hanging out in this little ocean of water, you know, hanging by a cord, everything you need is being run, run through the cord, you know, mom eats for you and mom drinks for you. And, you know, so what your body's growing, but there's no place for your awareness to go. So where's your awareness when you're in the mother, in, in, the, in the Buddha tank? Well, your awareness is, inside in its source within you your body in life that's where your awareness is so mm -hmm. you're present inside in your awareness but you're absent outside because there is no outside for you right mm -hmm. that makes sense yep okay so i call that why do i call it the buddha tank because when you're present inside you, you see light inside, you can hear sound inside, not the sound of your mother's, you know, gurgling, gurgling intestines, but other sound, a sound of life. You feel wholeness, you feel full, you feel love, you feel calmness. Those are exist in life all the time. And you can even taste something. And you're, so you're in a presence that after you get out, you lose touch with. Because now when you get out, you know, the cord gets cut. So now you have to cry for your breast milk and you have to cry for your diaper change. And you have to cry for if you're cold, you cry if you're uncomfortable, cry if something startles you because all of a sudden you get loud, so, loud sounds and bright lights and all of that. And, in the pro and then you have to get to know the world because now you're going to have to learn how to survive in the world like the adults do. And in that process, your awareness is automatically, automatically attracted to go out into the world by change. So, you know, in other words, if, some, if you see something running, there's change that you automatically, your awareness is attracted to it. That's why television is so addicting. That's why sports are so addicting, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're drawn out. The reason you're drawn out is because you have to assess what that change means because it could be against you or it could be for you or it could be irrelevant. And depending on how you assess it will determine what you need to do. So either you go closer to it if it's, if it's, if it's uh, for you, or you run if it's against you, or protect yourself if it's against you, or you just ignore it because it's not relevant to your survival. So this is important for physical survival, that you learn how to externalize your awareness into the world. And it's an automatic process because it's so important. But bringing awareness back inside to the source, of where the peace lives and where the unconditional love lives and where the inspiration lives. That process, going back to it, is not automatic and has to be deliberate. Mm -hmm. 
And why is that? Because there's nothing inside of you saying, hey, look at me. You know, peace is when nothing's happening. So yeah. you don't get attracted to change inside because peace does, is not changeable. Peace is calm. It's, it's constant. Unconditional love is, is not jumping around all over the place. It's just doing what it's doing. So, but to so, but it's but it's not saying look at me, and it doesn't go on strike, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't take days off and say, well, I, you did this to me, so I'm going to do that to you. So life doesn't do that. So you don't get this, this change happening, that will draw your awareness to come back. So so that means that you live most of your life, present outside in your awareness now, and absent inside. And the, that process of change is where our disconnection from ourself comes from. And that is the place where heartache begins. Heartache is a feeling of loss of something that you feel in your chest. Yeah. Whether you call it grief or loneliness or longing or blues or restlessness or emptiness. I mean, I've got 10 pages of words that people use for this mm -hmm. feeling of disconnect. Disconnected, isolated, separated. Um, that feeling is your call, the call of your heart for your awareness to come back home to yourself. But we don't know that because we don't teach that in our cultures. So we think it's grandma died. That's why I'm sad. But then I, I you know, you look at it and say, wait a minute, grandma died. She should be sad. Why are you sad? Because you're still alive. <laughs> right? So grandma dies and I'm screwed up, right? Girlfriend dumps me and I'm screwed up. And I think it's about the girlfriend. No, she's probably having a good time, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, or, or your dog runs away or something that you have come to rely on or love on the outside, and I say as a substitute for what you disconnected from that you had on the inside, your wholeness on the inside. Mm -hmm. then, we, then we feel the loss, but the loss is not about the external thing. The loss is our, our default condition, disconnection from ourself, loss of our connection to ourselves. And so when people feel heartache, I tell them, this is the greatest gift you've ever been given other than being alive. Why is that? It doesn't feel good. You know, it's not comfortable. We don't mm -hmm. like to feel it. That's why we distract ourselves from it by any means possible. <laughs> but why? Because that is as close as you're going to get to finding your way home to yourself. If you didn't feel the heartache, you would never find your way home. Yeah. So this is a huge gift, calls you home. But you have to know that this is a call home in order to understand that. And that's basically the reframe for heartache. Right. This is the greatest gift you have other than being alive. And I'll tell you why, five reasons. One, it, when, you, when, you've, when your heart aches, it gets you out of your head, grounds you, makes you simple. Yep. True? You've, you've experienced that? Yep. Yeah? Okay. Number two, it's your driving force because everything we do to try and become content, including doing podcasts and making oils and, and, and 
all the things that we do, making a million dollars, becoming famous, becoming powerful, you know, I mean, you can apply that to all the poor people and all the rich people and everybody in between. Everybody is driven by some uneasiness to get something more. And then people do huge things out of that drive. <clears throat> and they think, they hope, consciously, subconsciously, that when I succeed, I will feel whole again. I will feel okay again. And then they maybe set it up for 20 years. They bust their butt like I did with the oils, right? Yeah. And at the end of it, now I'm, I'm lucky. I already knew better. But <clears throat> at the end of it, then they get three days and say, yay, I did it, I did it, I did it. And after about three days, that restlessness is back. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, shit. Maybe I didn't think big enough. So let me try for $10 million instead of a million. Yeah. Or maybe I didn't think in the right direction. So let me take on some other great project. And when I pull that off, maybe then I'll feel okay. And it never happens because the disconnect is inside. And so the reconnect has to be inside. And there's nothing you have to do for that reconnect other than to sit still mm -hmm. and feel the ache and get comfortable in the ache. And a hair's breadth, not even a hair's breadth behind that ache is your reconnection to your, to your wholeness. And that's where you feel the wholeness. Now, when that happens, everything changes because now it's not like, what can I do that will get me taken care of? That will get me feel whole again. That will get me full, fulfilled, mm -hmm. whatever you call that word. It's not like, it's not about that anymore. Now it's like, okay, I'm taken care of. And if I don't feel taken care of, then all I need to do is sit with myself feel the ache, sit through the ache, get reconnected, feel cared for. And now basically when I feel cared for, then everything changes. Because instead of saying, what can I do to get me, myself taken care of? Now I'm saying, okay, I'm taken care of. If I don't, if I don't feel cared for, I know where to go to feel cared for because it's within me, always within me. So I just have to return my awareness back to the space, my into the space my body occupies and the feeling of peace and the feeling of unconditional love and the, and the feeling of inspiration are there. And in that place, I understand my purpose. What is my purpose? Where can I help? What needs to be done? How can I make the biggest splash for good that is possible to make in my lifetime in one body and with my particular set of talents and interests and experiences. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's, and that, and we're not doing that because it requires deliberate effort to come home. Yeah. Whereas going out is automatic. So what it requires is a deliberateness. It's like a, it's like, it's like where our sovereignty lives. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to make the time to be present in my own space, in my own power, in my own wisdom, in my own insights, because all of those exist within us. 
life is the wise life is more genius than Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that uh, you said there really resonated, I, I find, you know, this is common in, in some of the personal transformation space that people might say, you know, I'm broken. I'm not, I'm not already whole within myself. And, and what you were alluding to is that, you know, there's a wholeness that exists no matter what it's, it's there, it's within us. It's the, it's our natural state. It's our being. And, um, you know, w- when we have something that happens to us uh, that could be traumatic, say, um, it's not necessarily the case that we're broken, but that we need to sort of connect back to that wholeness within ourselves. Would you agree with uh, the way I laid that out? And do you have anything to add? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Except there's one piece of it that I, I would say a little different. Yes. The awareness that is the perfect peace within every human being mm-hmm. cannot be hurt, cannot be traumatized, never changes, is always there, never goes away. So it is fundamentally always available anytime you bring your awareness home. Yep. It's the focus that's the, that wanders. You bring the focus home and you have your perfect peace. The same, the, the unconditional love that is your life energy cannot be hurt, cannot be traumatized, is always whole, weighs nothing, runs the entire show, is all your powerful, is all your power. So it's all powerful within you. It's all knowing within you, and it's everywhere present within you. That, by the way, is a definition of God mm-hmm. in some religions. Uh, so those are not affected. The inspiration that is the shine of that energy into the world, that's not affected either. What is affected is your thought processes. You know, when you feel broken, even though you look at the body, there's nothing broken. Oh, that's just an idea. Somebody told you that stuff. Yeah. Or you made it up yourself. Or you, you know, or you could say, I'm broken because I'm disconnected from myself. Mm-hmm. That's the only, you know, but you're not even broken. It's just your awareness wandered off. And wherever your focus goes, that's what you become. That's what becomes important or real or known to you, right? So, so your, your, um, your body can be hurt, your, your beliefs can be shaken, your social circles can change, and your environment is in flux. That's where change happens. That's where our fears come from. That's where all of our problems come from. They do not come from awareness life energy or inspiration and you have whenever you're in one of your traumas and i don't want to make light of it you know you when you feel bad you feel bad Mm -hmm. right even if it's based on really ridiculous thoughts you're having yeah when you feel it you feel it right but at the same time you're feeling the dramas and the traumas and the changes and and the fears and the and the depressions and the anxieties and the and the uncertainties at the same time within you is something that is not affected by any of that. And so what I say is this, look, you feel your feelings and cry your tears and, and that's all, that's all part, of, part of the process. But give some of your time to the part in you that is whole also. And do that every day. Yeah. And, and you know, if you want to live a really, really good life, you need to be fully present in all of your being and the world 
or and your surroundings at the same time when you're fully present in all of your being you know who you are you know what you can do you know what is important it changes how much how much you depend on the outside you know because we all the body is certainly dependent on on its surroundings uh, but you don't take it as seriously you know it's like you know you if you if you're not present in the beauty of your existence and the magnificence of your existence then you give importance to other things and when those things let you down then you get shattered yeah but it's yeah. you only get shattered because you weren't present in the first place yeah exactly right so so that so the goal in my view and, and this is i do this under the umbrella of health mm -hmm. you know your awareness affects health your life energy affects health your inspiration or creativity affects health obviously your body does what you eat what you drink whether you sleep enough you know whether you rest enough whether you uh you know eat poisons or don't detox whether you uh you know, I mean, oh, yeah, how your digestion is going, that's a big one. That's probably the second biggest one after oils in the physical realm. Yeah. And and then how your environment is. And every, I mean, everything affects health. People yeah. affect your health. The, you know, knowing that you are a terminal, tiny terminal condition called the body in an infinite universe, that affects your health too. Because if you're okay with that, because you feel present and you feel the joy of what it is to be alive you know this is not a conditional joy this is not a conditional peace this is not a conditional uh love these are unconditional because they are your nature they're not something you do in order to get it that's conditional it doesn't depend on any conditions except the only condition it depends on is that you bring your awareness home into yeah. The presence of your being yeah i'd love to ask you how you respond um to people when they say something to the effect of you know i i hear what you're saying you know it sounds great but in our modern world that's it's too hard to do that and and i do have to pay my bills and i do have to go out and work how would you respond to people and sort of i guess what that would mean is in their what they're asking is how do i make this really practical to my day-to-day -day life in this moment today with the world the way it is yeah. You know what? It's 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 a choice that every one of us makes. I can tell you this from my own experience. In my life, not much worked. You know, you can blame it on the war, but really not much worked until I got to the point where my heart ached. And that ached for 13 years before somebody explained to me what that was. Yeah. So I knew heartache really well. <laughs> and uh and I couldn't shake it. I mean, I couldn't even distract myself from it. It, it. it was always there. And so when I started taking the time to sit with the, with the heartache and to sit through it and to sit into the, the, this, you know, the, the feeling in the space my body occupies, when I took the time, so it's like I'm working a little bit less, so five to minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, I like to do an hour. Sometimes I'll do two. Yeah. You know, the time I spend that hour that I do nothing is not waste the time. 
because I go into the world, uh, then I'll take that feeling with me into the world. I am more effective. I am friendlier. People want to do business with me better. I can take on bigger projects because it's not about me anymore. You know, and I didn't start making money and being successful in the worldly sense until I got my, until I got my sense of myself together. Yeah. Because before that, I was all over the map all over the map. I was affected by things people said way more than it, than, than it was relevant. You know, I never knew, you know, I would try things and start things and quit them because I wasn't getting the satisfaction that I hoped I'd be getting, you know, and, uh, you know, and when I was in a relationship, because I wasn't present in my own space, I thought my, my girlfriend should provide the love that I was looking for. And she thought she wasn't present in her space either. So she thought I should provide the love. I couldn't get in touch with it because I wasn't in touch with it. Neither was she in touch with hers. And where's, where's the love in the relationship supposed to come from if, if there's nobody home? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, they, so this idea of, oh, my God, I can't because, you know, it's just you've got yourself suckered <laughs> into into all of the opinions of all the people who have agendas for you because you don't have an agenda for yourself. Yeah. And if your agenda for yourself isn't that purpose one is for me to fully enjoy the incredible gift of life that I've been given, you know, cause I'm only made out of water, air, light and dust. Right. And dust is interesting, but not that interesting. Like <laughs> water is interesting, but not that interesting. Air is interesting, but not that interesting. Light's interesting, but not that interesting. But when you mix them all together and make a human being out of those four, it's unbelievable. I can yeah. see, I can hear, I can cry, I can laugh, I can dance, you know, I can sleep, I can, you know, I mean, all the things that are possible in that combination and to, to experience and to enjoy and to be grateful for the feeling of life, that's, that's purpose one. Yeah. When that happens, then I will live into the world completely differently. You know, if I'm if I'm in peace, I look around, I say, man, there's peace everywhere. Peace has always been everywhere. How come I never saw it before? Yeah. It's always been everywhere, even on the battlefield. You know, it's in the warriors, it's between the warriors, around the warriors, above the warriors, below the warriors. It's everywhere. But the focus of the warriors is not on peace. The focus on the warriors you're my enemy, I'm going to kill you. Right. The other guy say, you're my enemy, I'm going to kill you. Right? Yeah. So, so all of this whole thing takes place in a, on a foundation of perfect peace. Everything we do, good or bad, positive or negative, destructive or constructive, everything is happening on a foundation of peace that is everywhere in everyone and outside of everyone. Yeah. To not know, so I could I could be angry because I haven't done my homework to find my peace, and I'll see a completely different world. I will see enemies, mm -hmm. and so my state of being or my state of emotion, def, you know, it informs my perception. Yeah. See, because I, I only see enemies because I'm angry. If I'm in peace, I don't see I don't see enemies. I right. see peace. So then I will I will because I perceive the world different, I will think about it different and I will act into it different. So my state of being or state of emotion also creates my work, my mm -hmm. world. 
And if I was afraid, I'd be in the same place where one guy sees peace and the other guy sees enemy, I'd be seeing danger. Yeah. And so then I'd be, be like, oh my God, what if that, what if the, what if the fence falls down? And, you know, what if my kid is playing under the fence and, you know, better take the fence down, you know, so I'm going to create a world that is based on, on fear and can be pretty irrational if I don't have more perspective than that. So, so what's not working in the, in the world came out of us not working within ourselves. Yeah. Came out of our state of emotion, our states of fear, our states of anger. Um, You know, those, those are two of the big ones, obviously, but there's like a thousand different emotional states and each one of the states will see the same world different and will live into the world different and will therefore create a different world. You want a world of peace? It's got to start from you. Yep. When you're in this, when I'm in the state of being of peace or love or joy or gratitude or fulfillment, I basically extend that state of being into my actions, into the world, and create a world that corresponds to the state of being that I bring to it. Absolutely. And, there, and there's the solution for every problem on the planet. Yeah, exactly. You it's, know, it's, it's funny. Like us. It's like us. We're the, we're the problem here. Yeah. It's funny, like uh, what, what you just described. I mean, we, we, we say this all the time in, in our work, and, and the biggest, you know, the biggest, uh, I guess, piece of feedback we get is like, you know, too idealistic, you know, what are you going to do about that terrorist out there? And, and, and you try and explain like, well, that terrorist is a result of many, many years, many, many, um, you know, well, moments. The, terrorist, the terrorist is the result of my fear. That's right. And, it, and it's, and it's, and it's like a constant buildup that creates more and more of that as a reflection. And, and, and then people start to logically in a linear sense, they, they try and, reason okay but if i go into peace right now and i'm choosing that that terrorist still exists at what point does that terrorist disappear you know and and i can tell you no i can tell you yeah go ahead it's not complicated i am responsible for my sphere of influence right what i put into my sphere of influence influences that sphere of influence right so if i am if i am if i'm committed to living a life in peace that will affect my sphere of influence in the direction of peace. Right. Now, I can't make it happen, but you know what? Peace and, and, and unconditional love are the noblest, most fulfilling, most satisfying states of being mm-hmm. that a human being can have. So, so that's attractive to people. Mm-hmm. And... I'm responsible for my sphere of influence that happens to include you right now. Yeah. That happens to include all of the people listening to you right now. Yeah. And if those of us who are in this sphere of influence right now, make the decision, make the commitment and do the practice of getting to the peace within themselves, they're going to influence a lot of other people. And the terrorist is also a guy who is a terrorist because he's disconnected from himself. Yeah. He feels a heartache. 
he doesn't know it's his heartache from his own disconnection yep. because he's been told it's the Americans or it's the Canadians or it's the this is or it's the rich people. And and so unless human the human beings who understand this invest in it and make it real more and more in their life, more and more in their sphere of influence. <clears throat> so, so, you know, because you can't be, you can't live alone on a planet that has, that has 8 billion people on it. Yeah. So everybody's is connected. Like, <laughs> you know, the idea of lonely <laughs> on a planet with 8 billion people is kind of interesting, Yeah. but it's lonely. It's because we're disconnected from ourselves, And then we're also disconnected from everybody else. Yeah. And the, and the terrorist and the guy on the other side have the same problem of this self disconnection. And, and so, so on the one hand, if we take that on to live like that, to do our homework so that we become decent human beings, fulfilled human beings, wise human beings, because the wisdom is, is, is there. We just got to go in and fish it out. So, that will affect everybody in the world and we can change the world just like the terrorists affected the world. You know, that was one of my big wake ups. Oh my God. Discontent people will always spread discontent. If people who know what contentment is, and I claim to be one of those people, if we don't do more to spread contentment than they do to spread discontent, guess where we're headed. Yeah. And that was, that's when I became public, be, began to become public about what I'm talking to. And I have, I can give, I have a lot to give because I feel fulfilled because it's not like I have a lot of needs. It's not like a million dollars will make me happier. It's yeah. not like, it's not like, you know, running the white house or, or winning an, a, a war is going to make me happier. Happiness is cause it doesn't come from all that stuff. Yeah. And if you can't influence anybody, then if you couldn't, you know, I mean, you can, but if you, if you couldn't, then going to that place in your own being where the, the, the perfect peace and the unconditional love and the inspired creativity live will still make your life the best it can be for yourself. So we're not, you know, we're not giving it away at our own expense. And it, it only works by you become a better human being or a, not a better human being, but a, a, a richer feeling richer feeling more fulfilled human being that's good for everybody mm -hmm. you know and it's not selfish to enjoy the gift that you were given that only you can enjoy you know sometimes people say oh you know how selfish to spend all that time on yourself you should be helping other people yeah, yeah. the more the more you actually spend with yourself the more time you spend with yourself the more actually you realize you have the more gifts you can give you know, you, yeah. you, you can't give what you ain't got. Yeah. And you have it, but you can't, you can't give what you ain't present to have it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, so, you know, no, that's like, that's like, it's all, yeah, all that is when people say that, oh yeah, you know, but in this world and oh yeah, what about the terrorists? You know, those are just memes that people who have not thought things through yeah. and have not done their homework. Are, are throwing around the world. So yeah. when everybody say, whenever, whenever somebody says that to me, you know, what I like to say, you know, 
you're only asking the question because you haven't done your homework. Because yeah. if you had done your homework, you would know how incredibly powerful it is to be able to live in your power and yeah. be and be loving and compassionate at the same time. And if you fight the terrorist, you just you could become a terrorist too. And you just make the terrorists find better, better ways, other ways, more effective ways, bigger ways. You know, it's like if you pull your energy from junk to peace, you will be a part of creating a world that is more peace than junk. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's, you know, it's funny because when I think about a lot of this stuff, I, I think of like the amount of time, for example, I've spent with myself, like stuff like you were alluding to earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, I usually spend about a half hour to an hour a day. And in my courses, I encourage people to spend, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. But one of the other things I do is each year, I'll go away by myself for five days and I'll, like, I'll do it very simple. Like I just go to a basic hotel room, no fancy bells, whistles, nothing. Cause you don't need it. Right. And yep. I just, I just stay there by myself for five days and, and I call them my, just my little personal retreats. And I have my own things that I kind of do and focus on when I'm, you know, yep. spending my, what I call my me time and my, my introspection time. Yep. But I'm curious, you know, someone else like yourself, who's very interested in, in that idea of spending time with yourself and, and seeing the power of it. What sorts of things do you do in your uh, in your me time? What does it mean to spend time in your heartache or spend time with yourself for you? Let's talk about not everybody can take five days off because yep. if they have kids, that's not, you know, but you know what? When you're in the bathroom, you got privacy. And if you, in, and in the bathroom, you don't have to pay attention to what's going on because it's pretty automatic, mm -hmm. most of it, right? And you can, but, but what you can just take it, take a breath, you know, take a quiet, slow, deep breath. And you have like, maybe, maybe if it takes you two minutes to, to do your, to do your business, you've got two minutes where you can feel peace because you have privacy and the door is locked. Now you can't always do that because you have, if you have kids, you've got to deal with the kids and the needs. And so all of that do as much as you can, maybe five minutes before you go to sleep, maybe five minutes before, uh, after you get up, start that and then drag the feeling that you have when you, when you're by yourself, drag it into your day with you. Because sometimes people do the, do the practice and then they forget about it when they get out into the world. No, bring it, take it with you. Mm -hmm. Take your presence. Take the presence that you you best cultivate in time alone. Take it with you. Take it with you into the world. And you know, sometimes I'll do a practice and and uh, and I'll say, "Well, I never experienced anything, but I notice my day goes better because apparently something does happen." Yeah. Even even if it doesn't hit you in over the head that you had an experience of peace, but something happens. So, so, and, and I'm to the point now where I find it quite easy to stay in my space and do what needs to be done at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's the cherished life because I don't have to lose my peace. I do sometimes. I'm not perfect. It's I'm, <laughs> we're all works in progress, but it goes way deeper, way deeper than I ever expected. And I think this is the only growth industry not a, not a money industry, but a growth industry that has no limits. You know, yeah. if you, you know, there's a limited number of trees on the planet and there's a limited number of resources on the planet. 
this is unendingly deep. And it gets better and better the deeper you go, the more you do it. And you bring that into the world with you and everything goes better. Yes. So, so, and, and my, my time is, yeah, make the time to shut off all your distractions, sit. I use it, do it sitting, but you can lie down too. I do it lying down too. And just get present. Yeah. Be still. Be as still as you can be. You know how when we were, we used to play uh, hide go hide go seek when we were kids. Sometimes we'd we'd be hidden, but not not well enough hidden, and so then we'd like try not to breathe. Yeah. See how still you can be. Not crack not crack a leaf or crack a crack a twig, and get caught. Right. So you yep. do that. <laughs> or if you smoke, you know a lot of people smoke because they say it makes them peaceful. But actually, all of your physiology speeds up when you smoke. Yeah. So why do you feel peaceful? Because they take a, they take a conscious drag on the cigarette, and then they go. That's already enough to get you out of your head. That's why they feel peaceful. So, peace peace is the material. Uh, uh, smoking is the materialist's yogi, yoga. <laughs> right? Just yeah. because just that taking that deliberate breath. Well, why, why not do it without a cigarette? And why not do 10 breaths? Yeah. Why not do 20? You know, cigarette, I think, is somewhere between five and 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, so you can save yourself the money and you can save yourself the lung cancer and you can still take your breath and you still get that peace and you get it even better. Yeah. Uh, that's, and, that's well said. <laughs> you know, so there's so many ways to do it. You know, you could just focus on, on something. There's so many ways to do it, but particularly you want to bring your focus inside the space that your body occupies. Yeah. Then you can expand it from there because literally that, that awareness that you focus on inside of you is not limited by your body. It goes out to infinity. That, and that awareness is the peace. It's the foundation of your existence, but it's also the foundation of the existence of the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is all words until you experience it. Yeah. You can get lots of good words, but I'm talking about experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, do I'm, you... and I'm talking from experience because I'm actually sitting in that experience right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I know sometimes... Um, and I'm glad that, that the picture went off because it's actually easier to concentrate. Oh, right. Yeah. On being in that presence when I have my eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel, feel you it. on that. Hmm? I said, I feel you on that. Um, yeah. one, one question I had about that, because, you know, it, it comes up um, it comes up a fair amount. Like, for example, if we think about people might smoke marijuana, which they, you know, it's yep. like a natural plant they call, right? And, um, or we take psychedelics or these certain things. And, and I, I do think all these things do have a, a value or they're like a doorway into mm -hmm. ourselves, especially when we're really having trouble finding that sort of inner peace. But I've found that sometimes the experience of just pure awareness in a, what you might call a sober state um, is more powerful than than those uh, those other tools. What are your thoughts on that feeling? Right. Well, I I was uh, I was around during the '60s. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this: I when 
when I was a kid, I was really tightly wound because of my war experience. And I was shy and I was fearful. I did a lot of reading because books were safe. Um, when I, I, got, I had gotten through my university, I had left university. And actually, that's not true. I, before I left university, somebody introduced me to LSD and I did an LSD trip. Mm-hmm. 1966 and um, I didn't know anything about it other than I knew that people in the arts faculties were were using psychedelics and in science nobody was I was in science but I so I I did one of those somebody invited me to it Uh, it was Sandoz LSD so that was the original pure pharmaceutical grade from Sandoz Mm-hmm. 60 micrograms on a sugar cube. That's what they said how to do it. And I rolled on the floor laughing and I laughing so hard that the tears were running down my cheeks, rolling on the floor, listening to Mozart and laughing in time with the music. And the reason why I was laughing so hard is it struck me as the most incredible thing that everything that I was so studiously looking for on the outside was all present within me. Mm-hmm. And that blew the door off, off of my, the way I thought about everything because every, everything was always like fear-based and, you know, and that blew the door open. It's like, oh my God, there's a thousand ways we could live. And then it took me a while to figure out how I wanted to live, but it opened the door. So for me, it was absolute, I don't know if I'd have gotten anywhere without that door opener. And then I did other, other, you know, I tried for about two years. I tried all kinds of different psilocybin and mescaline. And yeah. I had some insights, uh, nice ones. And, and then I started getting burned out because they're intense. And I decided not to do any psychedelics for two years. They're not addicting. So it's not like there's no like withdrawal symptoms. And before the two years were up, I began, I met somebody who said the peace that you search for in the world is within you and I can show you how to go there. Mm-hmm. And I started doing my a practice that I've been doing for a while. And I found that the, the psychedelics are good as a starting point, can be good as a starting point. You want to use them under supervision. They're pretty powerful. Yeah. And in, in, in an environment that is conducive to, to being able to get the most out of the experience. Um, but, I, you, but I got to a point where I realized that the psychedelics take me to a certain level. But they keep me from going deeper. Yeah. And that's because they're based on molecules, whereas the, the depth of awareness is based on awareness. Awareness is beyond way beyond molecules. Yeah. And so, so I would say they, they got me, they brought me up from when I was probably, probably P, PTSD is probably what I had most, most of those years. Yeah. So they got me better from that, but they don't bring, take me any higher than a certain point. Yeah. And at some point you got to leave them behind to get even high, to get even to a better place. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's, that's pretty, and I've tried, I've tried it where 
where um, uh, where psychedelics have actually made me less happy than I am without them. Yeah, and that's really nice because honestly, there has to be something in a human being that is better than anything from the outside. Yeah, otherwise we would all sacrifice ourselves to what was better on the outside. Yeah, just how it works. So there's something in human beings that is better than psychedelics, more deeper, calmer, quieter, contenter, more loving, more reliable, and I'm not depending on anything on the outside. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Right? Yes. So I literally, <laughs> I don't need a certain state of being. I don't need a certain place to be. I don't depend on other people for it. Uh, there's something inside of me that is is life's gift to me or the universe's gift to me and requires no you know no crutches requires no crutches and requires no a- external aids to fully embody to fully embrace to fully become how cool is that it's empowering yeah, very, very empowering. Yeah. Where, um, for people who are fascinated by all the things you're sharing here, where can they find more about uh, your work? Uh, well, I have a website called uh, udoschoice.com, U-D-O-S choice.com. And we talk about the oils there and also digestion, digestive enzymes and probiotics. Very, very, that's probably the next best thing, most neglected thing that is useful to look at to improve physical health and and we talk about why we do what we do and how we do it and all of that and then the i have another one that is uh the udo t-h-e-u-d-o dot com and that's educational and we're just building that we're, we're gonna uh, do all kinds of all kinds of stuff that has to do with health you can also find it on the same one under udo erasmus.com if you know how to spell it I have a YouTube channel under Udo Erasmus and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm not hard to find. I have a book called fats that heal fats that kill. I have an overview book on the total, the total health thing. It's called the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature. You can get that on Amazon. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not hard to find. And then the, the oil is called Udo's oil. That's you find that in, in the fridge, in the supplement section, in health food stores. You can also buy it on Amazon, and same with the other products. So, perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, we'll also put this information in the show notes for everybody uh, who's looking yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for this fantastic conversation. Your your wisdom, your work, and you know keeping it uh, on a real peaceful level here a lot of neutrality too which i i deeply appreciate Mm -hmm. yeah because we all have that that is what we have in common Mm -hmm. you know fighting about we're fighting about vaccines this is what we have in common (laughs) (laughs) what you doing what (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right well thanks so much for doing this all right thank you i really appreciate it and i appreciate that you're open in that way that's uh unusual among mere children like you are (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, it's the, it's the one thing I laugh about all the time. Cause I'm like, ah, it's, it's hard to do this work sometimes, uh, at, at 33, because sometimes it's like, well, does this guy know what he's saying or whatever? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I just well, say what I say. Well, you know what? The guy who taught me the, the practice I do was 14. When I met him, I was 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the first thing that happened to me, just like what you said, right? So the, yeah. what's a 14 year old going to teach me? I'm 30. I've been around, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I, and, and then he showed me and then I thought, oh, that's too simple. But yeah. then I, I promised I would give it a fair chance. Yeah. And within, within a few weeks, I noticed a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, so the idea is, you know, it doesn't depend on your age. Somebody asked him, how can you be doing this at such a young age? He said, well, I can't slide out of my mother's body and immediately be <laughs> 52 years old. <laughs> that's what he said, right? And like, yeah, that's a great answer, right? Yeah. So 33, it's like, well, you either do or you don't. Yeah. It's not about your age. In yeah. fact, I have a four-year-old grandson. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievably wise. Yeah. And he's unbel- he has an unbelievable state of being that he operates in. Yeah, we usually gradually lose it as we get to know the world more and get tight, get caught up in it. But the thing is, it's in everybody. So at 33, you can you can be in touch with it. At four years, you can be in touch with it. And at 60 years, you you might still not be in touch with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The wisdom comes from the from the connection, not from the age. There's some real there are really some really stupid old people around. I might, just, I might just be one of them. <laughs> yeah, the other thing I love is the uh, the simplicity of everything. I find with so much personal growth out there these days, um, yeah. I, it's like I, I keep I keep open, right? Like maybe I'll learn a new practice, maybe I'll hear something new, but like I'm not even really searching for something. I just sometimes you get caught up in the idea that there's there's always a new teacher, there's always a new idea, and you're mm-hmm. like, well. I'll be open, even though I feel content in what I'm doing, but I'll be open yes. and you hear it. And it's like, this sounds really complicated. It's like, I've, yeah. always, well, I've always found yeah. it and, simple. And, yeah. And I think that part of, part of it is, part of it is that um, the, the personal growth industry is populated by teachers who haven't done their own homework mm-hmm. and charge a lot of money. That's yeah, for sure. And, and the master, master, masters never charged and embodied their message. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know, they're all, I mean, I've learned, I've, I've done personal growth stuff too. You know, some, some of the stuff I didn't get as a kid, you know, I get as an adult. So it's not like I can't learn anything from it. But the master is actually life energy in every human being. That's what all the masters talked about. Be in touch with that master. It's already running the show. Your master, unconditional, that's why I call it unconditional love. It's life energy, unconditional love, and the master within you. Mm -hmm. Because it runs everything, right? It divides the cells and it digests your food and it beats your heart and, you know, it makes your air... (laughs) breathed in and breathed out you're not doing that it's doing that on your behalf that's why i call it unconditional love takes care of everything has only one uh has only one mission which is to take care of your body so you have it within you if somebody who's deeper into than you are 
can inspire you to f- go a little deeper, that's useful. But it's your journey and your master that you are inside of you, life. You know, in fact, you know, you're not even, you're not even the body. You know, yeah. if I point at you and say, hey, whose body is that? Most people will say, that's my body. They've just told me that they're not the body. They've just told me that they're the owner of the body. Yeah. And who's the owner? Life. And how well do you know life? Most people would have to say not that much. Maybe you should get to know this unconditional loving owner that you are. Mm-hmm. Because it'll, it'll transform your experience of your existence in the most beautiful way. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said once again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The CE Show. If you have a moment, consider passing this show on to a friend or family member who you think would relate to this type of conversation. Bringing community together in these conversations is key, and you'll find these days people are a lot more receptive to these emerging ideas and perceptions than they may have been in the past. Lastly, visit ctv.one and consider becoming a member of our community where you get access to a ton of video content, including original shows, discussions, and courses to help you make sense of the world and transform how you show up in life. Visit ctv.one to learn more.